This is The Shift Podcast. Coming up on The Shift Podcast, what an amazing, amazing show we had that we get to share with you online. We had Bugs Bunny on the show. Eric Bowser was on. And not only was he Bugs Bunny, but he brought Daffy Duck, Marvin the Martian, Tweety Bird, all of these, his friends, he's the official voice of all of these. He's Canadian. He's from Scarborough. One of my favorite conversations of all of 2020 is right here for you on the Shift Daily Podcast. Not only that, in case you missed it with Ryan O'Donnell and so much more, including what is the best Christmas movie of all time? Might surprise you. The Shift Daily Podcast is always available for you on your favorite podcast platforms, whether it's Stitcher or TuneIn, you name it, or CuriousCast.ca. First acknowledgement for Ryan, because uh, he sought this out, he found it, he chased it, so did Jason Manawis, um, and really uh, fans of all of this. Now, for me, I, I grew up with Bugs Bunny being like part of my childhood way, way back, and um the opportunity to uh, sit here and and chat with Bugs Bunny right now is an amazing opportunity. Yes, that's right. It is uh, the new Bugs Bunny. And I don't know if you've heard, but he's a Canadian. Now, Eric, depends on where you come from. Some people would say Eric Boza and some would say Bowza. Um, I would probably say Eric Bowza. Um, which way do we go? Uh, first of all, man, what's up, Shane? How's it going? Thanks for having me on the show, Doc. Uh, Bowser. <laughs> if, if you are going to say it, it's funny. Uh, if you're going to say it at all, it's Bowser, and people <laughs> eventually just drop the first name. They just like the last name so much that it's no longer Eric. It's just Bowser. Hey, Bowser. You know what? What are you doing today? What are you doing after work? It's it's, it's a good it, nickname name though, isn't it? <laughs> like you've just inherited like an awesome name. Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, thanks for spending some time with us here on the show. You're from Toronto, Scarborough area. Um, and you are Bugs Bunny now. Um, I would like to talk about the history in a second, but first, what what does being Bugs Bunny in 2020 mean? Like, what are you up to? Are there new cartoons? Are there new movies? I mean, there are things people probably don't know that could be on the way here. Well, uh, presently, I'm the voice of Bugs Bunny for uh, <laughs> Looney Tunes cartoons, which uh, at the very beginning, uh, you know, it was just pitched as 1,000 minutes of new content. Uh, 1,000 that, minutes. They, that seems they, they arbitrary. Didn't, they didn't call it a series. They didn't call it a, you know, shorts. Uh, they just said 1,000 minutes of new Looney Tunes cartoons. And uh, I had been a part of Looney Tunes starting in 2011 on a, on a, a rebooted show called The Looney Tunes Show, which uh, put uh, Bugs and Daffy in the same house together <laughs> as roommates. Uh, and again, if you think about the time, 2011, you know, Family Guy was a very popular and is still a very popular series on television. Uh, however, uh, you know, to kind of reach a new modern audience, they thought, let's just do it. You know, we'll take them out of the shorts program and we'll put them in this sitcom situation. Uh, mm. That kind of came and went. Uh, on that show, I did I did not book Bugs or Daffy or Tweety, but I did book Marvin the Martian, Earth creature. And uh, if you're asking me, I, I do I do enjoy the Shift program, but it blocks my view of Venus. Uh, you know, uh, he was in the least amount <laughs> of it. shorts, uh, yeah. Marvin, but he 
makes for such a great air freshener for some reason. He he is the most marketable and visually popular character of the Looney Tunes gang. Uh, and yeah. I have been voicing him since 2011. Uh, wow, hey. Yeah, and then uh, a few years later, they came out with another reboot. Again, we're living in this age where these these reboots and reimaginings used to only happen every few years, but with all of these options for streaming and the places to see them, they're just piling on top of each other, but people seem to like it. So they came up with another version of Looney Tunes, which was getting closer to the original called new Looney Tunes. Uh, I, I remained uh, as Marvin as well as a, a few characters. Um, and then in 2018, that again would mark the only the second time I auditioned for Bugs Bunny uh, for Looney Tunes cartoons, and that was released this year. So, uh, do you keep a timer, by the way? So, when you get to one thousand and one minutes, you're like, "Sorry, guys, we're we're done. We need to renegotiate this last minute of the show." Well, again, you know, if we're hearkening back to the old days, the the golden era, the 1940s of animation, these original shorts that we love so much, you know, 80 years later, we're still talking about them. Uh, they were never really intended for television. Uh, they were packaged with film reels, news reels in movie houses, and they weren't necessarily intended for kids or families. They're mainly just for adults and kind of an excuse to be like, well, this Looney Tune short is on. I'll hit the concession stand and get some snacks. Yeah. They were just kind of like throwaways. Uh, but again, 80 years later, Bugs Bunny's 80 years old. We're still talking about the magic of these shorts. We're still talking about the heart and soul that Mel Blanc poured into his performances. Yeah. And not only that, um, you know, the double entendre, the kids, the adults, um, all of those pieces. And what a testament to his work. Um, how does it feel for you now to be able to be part of that legacy? I mean, this is very clearly a, um, you know, this is a big deal to be a part of all of this work. And yeah, I mean, you're down the line a couple of decades in, in the voices, multiples of voices, multiples of shows, and um, there's going to be a little boy or girl who looks at you the same way you looked at bugs many years ago. Um, that weight of that and excitement around that doesn't escape me. Where does it land with you? It's surreal. It's still surreal. Um, just thinking about the impact that it had on, on me. Like I said, I would, I would own all this paraphernalia if I wasn't uh, the voice, because this is a show that, help shape my sense of humor. It's a show that kept me entertained Saturday mornings. My brother and I would watch it on global TV, the, the Bugs Bunny and Tweety show. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, as a kid, as, as we all once were, we would run around and do funny voices, but we never thought it would amount to anything. We never thought that these funny voices would be a choice as a career. Uh, I didn't go to school for dramatic arts. Um, really? And it's funny because a lot of people I work with were either, you know, some of them were actors, but a lot of people were stand-up comics or musicians, and it's just kind of a career that they kind of just fell into, not like chased. Uh, it was definitely something that I had a passion for, 
clearly I chased it, but there was never a direct line towards I'm going to be Bugs Bunny. It was kind of like, I'm going to work in animation as a production assistant. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to edit some animatics, which is the marriage of sound effects, temporary voices, and storyboards. Uh, well, I'll take a stab at drawing. I started drawing and stuff like that. And then I uh, would meet, meet lots of friends and um, eventually become a voiceover artist. And again, to those young actors and actresses listening out there, or anyone that has a passion for cartoons or voiceover, uh, if you have that passion, I think that's all that matters. And that passion will, will carry you to where you eventually want to be. Just don't give up. Yeah. That's all. There was a time in your life there was like this foreshadowing of young Eric Bauza in a school photo <laughs> wearing a Bugs Bunny button-up shirt. Yes. <laughs> um, that, in hindsight, is pretty freaking remarkable, man. Like, when you think about that, and then you think about here you are today in a Bugs Bunny hoodie, the voice of Bugs Bunny, and you really... We're on to something way back then. How old were you in that photo? You remember it? That was grade eight, or as the American oh, day, eighth grade. Uh, it was only the second time that uh, I was visiting California, and there's a theme park here, and much like we had Canada's Wonderland in Toronto, uh, Six Flags Magic Mountain. And I was like, this looks like a normal theme park, and then as soon as you step in, it's decorated with like wall-to-wall Looney Tunes stuff, and I just like had like a like a seizure. It was like a stimulation overload, like everything. I, like there was rides, there was you know fast food. Uh, you know, how about a nice Bugs Bunny blanket, Doc? You know, uh, there was also like the the tackiest clothes. People, I wore that on my picture day to school. That's how much I love that shirt. People thought I was wearing a pajama top. They're like, why? That looks like pajamas. <laughs> I'm like, this is a, an adult shirt. It has buttons. Thank you very much. Uh, but I remembered just loving that. You know, again, it's it's this. We were the, I was the in the generation, the lucky one of, of having that first round of syndication of that show. Again, we're watching shorts that were never intended to be seen on a TV screen. They were just in movie houses and they thought that would be the end of it. Uh, Little did they know they had this vault, this collection of these short films that won awards, um, that can be seen all over the world, uh, that transcend any language, um, uh, that again, continue to uh, inspire. I often think mm-hmm. I watch that as a kid and then I draw my cartoons and there's an influence of style. But what were they looking at back in the 40s when they were making right. this? They, there was no reference. Like, I'm going to draw a bird with big eyes and, and big feet, a tiny body, and we'll ask Mel in the sound booth to make him sound like a, ooh, like a wiggle baby. And then we'll take that voice and then we'll pitch it up 10%. And all of a sudden, he he taught he taught putty cat, and it just was so strange, <laughs> just to think. Well, then, yeah. Well, you bring up a good point. Like, there's no reference. Like, you and I know what a cartoon is. Yeah. They didn't know what a cartoon was. They were just like making it. They were. They invented the technology. They uh, they thought, let's just take photos of like a series of photos of these celluloid painted, you know, 
pictures and we'll make a move and make them laugh. Timing. There's also timing in animation, which is everything. It's funny when you watch a film that is directed by an animation director, like uh, um, Seth MacFarlane or um, Dave Filoni. I just watched The Mandalorian, like the first episode of Mandalorian, directed mm -hmm. by Dave Filoni, who directs almost all the Star Wars, Clone Wars cartoons and uh, a lot of the, the CGI cartoons. And here's a guy that's been working with the Lucas property for decades in 2D and CG animation. And then you watch that episode, the first episode of The Mandalorian, and it's like the composure, the composition is like amazing. The colors are mm -hmm. amazing. Everything about it, the performances that he's pulling out of these actors are amazing because animation is like, okay, we have to spend nine months making this 22-minute story. It has to be perfect because we can't go back and tell the actors to redo it. You can tell the voice actor to redub it, but you have to reanimate that whole performance. So everything has to be calculated and it's usually airtight. It doesn't escape me that you're wearing a Raptors hat <laughs> and I've seen you in this Raptors hat in a couple of photos. So representing Toronto, um, always your hometown, um, in and around all of your professional voice work. It also doesn't escape me, and I'd probably lose my, my radio card if I didn't bring up the fact that basketball and Bugs Bunny have crossed paths before. <laughs> That's correct. Um, and so um, it would be nice to see Michael Jordan pop into a Space Jam reboot. Maybe LeBron James or, or someone along those lines be the new character of what that is. I'm also very aware of what contracts look like and what uh, this business <laughs> is about that way. So... Hesitantly and respectfully, I do ask the question um, about Bugs Bunny and all of the variety of properties, including the Space Jam movie, which was probably one of the most influential of all the introductions to a whole generation about basketball plus Michael Jordan plus Bugs Bunny all in one. Is there anything you can tell us? Well, you, you see, Shane, there are the Warner Brothers attorneys outside of my window right now. I can see them fogging up the glass. Uh, I'll, I'll speak as, as much as I can. And it, it dates back to even before Space Jam, there were these commercials that I was obsessed with. Uh, 1992 was the very first pairing of Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny. Air Jordan and Hair Jordan. And it was a Super Bowl <laughs> ad which showed Bugs Bunny being bullied by a bunch of jocks in a gym. And who better to save me than Michael Jordan, his anus, Michael Jordan. Uh, that was the very first pairing of it. And as a kid, I was like, Mom, take me to Scarborough Town Center, the shopping mall. We got to go. We got to hit Foot Locker. We got to hit Athletes World. We got to hit every, every shoe store. I got to get those shoes. And I got to get that T-shirt because nice. the, the, the image of Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan, the strangest combination. And I guess this was after Roger Rabbit, I'd have to say, I guess, in, in my recollection. I think so. Yeah, because yeah. 1989, right, was Roger Rabbit, I think. I believe so. Uh, so, yeah, the live action animation was not uh, uncommon to see a rabbit and a human interacting, uh, <laughs> uh, you know. Anywhere in a commercial or in a movie. 1988. Who framed Roger Rabbit was 1988. Wow. 
I had, I still have my VHS copy of that. Uh, Not so long ago. Like that's amazing. And you, you know, the, again, it goes to the legacy of all this. Yeah. Um, It's kind of mind blowing, isn't it? Very much so. But again, if, if it's good, it's good. Just like Bugs Bunny, if Looney Tunes, 80 years later, if it's funny, it's funny. Always like your favorite knock, knock joke. So after that 1992 commercial came and went, you know, my mind was blown. I was drawing Bugs Bunny every day, wearing Jordans. Two years later, they come out with another one, and it shows Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan trying to find uh, a golf course. They pop out of a hole in the ground because Bugs Bunny, that's the the only way to travel, Doc, underground. Um, Traveling (laughs) through this big pile of dirt, and Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny pop out of the the ground. This isn't Pebble Beach. Uh, And they see they're, they're actually on the moon. And Marvin the Martian has every pair of Air Jordans on Earth hostage on the moon. So in comes Mar- oh, 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 goody. All the Air Jordans. All for me. And uh, again, Aaron and Air Jordan come to the rescue and they bring all the shoes back to Earth. I mean, a lot to cram into a minute and a half. But again, it is what led to Space Jam two years later after that, 1996. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, that was a big influence. Uh, it, it doesn't um, it doesn't escape me that this resurgence of Bugs Bunny and all these things. I mean, the value of shoes and Air Jordans oh, has become an industry goodness. in itself, right? Like Ryan is a big fan of like shoes in general. He's educating me. My son is as well. But if you look at it from that lens, which is probably something that most people wouldn't do because they would look at the you know the Bugs Bunny part and go, "Oh, I love cartoons" or whatever. Um, but then if you look at it from that perspective, I mean, that's a pretty iconic time. There was that movie, which was so influential in so many ways and look what stands the test of time. But yet those, those same two staples, right? Yep. Sports and animation for whatever reason. Uh, yeah. You, you mentioned Michael Jordan and I'm a child of the nineties. So I grew up in that era of the Michael Jordans, the Charles Barkley's, the Patrick Ewing's, you know, the Reggie Millers, the Larry Birds, the Magic Johnsons. And I, I kind of equate it to like like watching those Dean Martin celebrity roast commercials back in the day, those infomercials. They used to have such specific personalities on, on that panel. And, and same thing goes for NBA basketball in the 90s. Everyone had a specific thing that they did or they were good at or their personality uh, just shone through. And, you know, Larry Bird, the three-point shooter. Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time. Charles Barkley, the muscle. Dennis Rodman, the, 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 the this amazing defensive player, but he's also had a unique personality. Everyone, just like right. old comedians in, like, the 60s and 70s, you know, Rodney Dangerfield or any one of those old comedians, it's it's tough. I, I know there are some great modern players that are known for for their thing, but... Growing up in the 90s, it was so specific for some odd reason. It was so, like, just laid out there, and everyone had their own thing. And mm-hmm. um, that's why I'm, I'm always going to be a diehard fan of the original. But then you fast forward to 2020. Here we are on the eve of the reboot of Space Jam, one of the most absurd, crazy film ideas ever. And such a underground hit and, and a, a cult classic. And they're redoing it with LeBron James. Uh, ring for ring, you know, championship for championship, the greatest for his generation of 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 uh, fans. So, 
you know, it's he's he's the guy, and and having seen it up close and personal, I can either confirm or deny my involvement with this project. However, <laughs> it's it's insane to see uh, it all unfold, and and LeBron James really is, I think, one of the the only guy that could have brought it back. I don't know. Um, I don't know how it could be anybody else. Tell you what, um, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, I love the conversation about the impact of it. I love the fact that you're Canadian. I think I love the fact that you love it, which is the coolest part, right? Like you, I mean, you, this is you, this is your life, man. Like you, you lived into this nerdy bugs, bunny, loving kid. And then here you are. And it, it, it like it is, excuse the appropriate pun. It is your jam. And when you put your head, pillow head on the pillow at night, like are though those moments have just, whoa yeah definitely it when when it's those moments is when i'm sitting next to my son and we are uh i'm watching looney tunes almost every other day for about 30 minutes to an hour that's that's my version of the gym now since we can't go to the gym in our current climate uh gotta keep those knives sharp uh those carrots aren't gonna eat themselves uh <laughs> I got. I watch it, and I have. I got my son with me, and and he's seeing me practice, and he's he's four, but he can do voices too now. He's getting that you can put on a character really? and be funny at four years old. We're talking about a kid that knows how to skip ads on YouTube with the press of a button. <laughs> I'm like, what's it's happening? Amazing. I know it's so different. But yeah, but but I get to experience it all over again with my son, and we have watched the shorts that I've been in since it's been on in March. And he's laughing at it, and he gets it. He he goes, "Daddy, can you can you be Bugs Bunny?" And I go, "Ah, uh, sure, son. What what do you want to get for lunch?" And he's like, "Oh, that, that's great. Can you just be regular, Daddy?" Now, <laughs> like he just he can. Oh, I love when he tells Even me better. he's sick of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, The Rock tells a story about how his daughter didn't believe him. I think it was when he was Moana of all the characters he's done. Right. And and like, oh no, that's Daddy. And she's like, no, it's not. <laughs> like the kind right. of thing. It was. I don't remember exactly what was said, but the implication to me was like, you're, you're not cool enough to be that guy. Like, well, the fact is that these characters are larger than life and that they will, they had existed before I was born and they will be here when I leave and, uh, and be enjoyed for generations to come. And to know that I have like that little, that little page in the history books of animation, or if it's just a footnote, I'll be happy with that. Uh, it, it means a lot because it just, again, goes to show you that if you have a passion or, or a dream, if you're chasing a dream or a passion, it's, it's, it can happen. You can will it to existence. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, Eric, thank you for the time. I feel like we could be here for days, um, <laughs> geeking out about so much stuff. Yes. Uh, your invitation on this show, I mean, we broadcast in your old... Uh, neck of the woods on uh, Global News Radio uh, AM really? 640. Yeah, Global News Radio AM 640. We're in Hamilton. We're in London. I mean, across the country, we're Vancouver, Kamloops, Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg, through Ontario. So um, this this is all booming right into your hood right now. And you're welcome to be here um, on this show anytime you like, <laughs> even just as Eric. Here's the thing. Next year will be different. I'll be able to speak about so many more things that people want to hear about. And uh, I will gladly come back. You have no idea how. And hopefully, who knows? 
if you have a microphone with 12 feet between us and I'm allowed to be somewhere where we could see each other and, 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 you know, be humans again, I would enjoy that. But I'm enjoying this. Uh, none of this matters until home calls you to talk about it. It really, it really doesn't. It, it, it's really hitting me now after two weeks, people like yourself and global and 680 and, and CBC and, and, and all the outlets Toronto Star, Toronto Sun, you guys are bringing Canada to me when I can't go to Canada, and it means the world. So thank you if you're listening. I'm just going to leave that there, Eric. That was perfect. This is The Shift Podcast. I feel like dancing. Like, like well, you're, you are dancing. You are dancing right now. 877-399-9898. Uh, what is... Ryan wore a Christmas sweater to the show tonight. I think that that's worth noting, too, since we're in the uh, festivist spirit here. Um, what is the best, absolute best Christmas movie of all time? Ryan, are you surprised by some of these results that have come in here? Um, I know Matt's heart might be about to be broken. Mm, am I surprised? Yeah. Mm, not really. You know which one popped up several times and... I have to lean towards because of the amount of times I've seen it is a Christmas story. It's my mom's favorite Christmas movie. We have like the prize ornament on our tree is the leg lamp ornament. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, that movie is just timeless. And it, it only it's the kind of Christmas movie you don't watch at any time of the year other than right on Christmas Day. There's just something special about that movie that sits in Mahawat. But uh, hmm. I don't know. Uh, other than that a lot of oldies on here, like really old Christmas movies. Uh, There's a lot of tradition I've found, um, which by the yeah. way, the leg lamp, I, I to promote a, a store uh, that I have purchased my moose mugs from, because I have my um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation moose mugs, you know, the ones they dip into the eggnog. Yeah. Um, is a store, I think it's in Oakville or Burlington, at least that's where it used to be. It is, uh, it's Oakville and it's called Retro Festive. And it's pop culture store now. They've really expanded it because they had to get out of just Christmas only. But they do. So they have like retro toy stores and stuff like that. Retro gaming stores. They can get some like Nintendo classic Nintendo mugs that look like those old video games. But here's oh. the thing. And they have a retro record shop, by the way. But here's the thing. This store started as a Christmas store. And they have a real full-size leg lamp that you can buy right there on the store. So just saying, if you ever thought about it, yes, um, you can support a Canadian nice. store and go shop in there. Um, I haven't shopped with them for a little while, but boy, they were good to me when I did. So just, uh, uh, I love that one. Just sitting in the wind, like glowing like electric sex sitting in there in the in the window there in the window. Yeah. <laughs> Sexy leg lamps, man. Um, it's retrofestive.ca 877-399-9898. So here is the tradition. Um, Glenn just texted in. The Christmas Story is hands down all-time best Christmas movie. We flip that on Christmas morning, and it plays all day. Uh, Lyle says, Holiday Inn, 1942, Bing Crosby. Shane. <laughs> Thanks, Lyle. <laughs> um, I'm not familiar with the movie. I, I'm not. I mean, I, it's, you know, we can't catch them all, I guess. Um, and that one came up quite a few times. Nate had originally sent it in. And Holiday Film, uh, Holiday Inn is the Bing Crosby, June Allison movie. Whence comes the iconic song, White Christmas, Cat and Gimli. Thank you, Cat. 
for that one. So here, uh, unorganized, because there's so many text messages, um, is the list. Christmas with the cranks. Yay or nay for you? It is a I haven't seen, so I can't vote. But I'll say yay uh, as a show of support. Very nice. Uh, guys, the one and only White Christmas Bing Crosby comes in. That one's from Winnipeg. Um, you'll shoot your eye out. The uh, Easily a Christmas story from Brandon. Yay. Uh, best Christmas movie, Home Alone 1. That's from Toronto, Andrew in Toronto. Uh, thank you very much for that one, Andrew. Let's go on the phone, 877-399-9898 to Surrey. Hi, Wendy. Hi, how are you guys doing tonight? Lovely. What is your favorite Christmas movie of all well, time? Well, of course, A Christmas Story. But my other one that I love to watch at Christmas time is the one with Moses and the Ten Commandments, where he parts the sea and everything like that. But my hands down for the best family movie is A Christmas Story. Wonderful. Thank you very much for the call, Wendy. I love it. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Stay COVID safe. 877-399-9898. Grumpier old men, says Catherine. Peanuts Christmas and The Grinch with Jim Carrey. I think The Grinch with Jim Carrey. I mean, I had no idea from Steve sharing that it has a bit of a backlash on it. I don't think so. I think that to me is the spirit of Christmas. It's all the fun things. Henry says, little drummer boy makes me cry. In Winnipeg, we have Evelyn. Hi, Ev. Jack the Halls, Christmas with the Cranks, and all the cartoons, all the animated cartoons. You know, like the throwback, the retro ones. Well, yeah, um, I prefer the Grinch in cartoon rather than mm. have it the movie because it was more psychological than mm. in the Grinch. Yeah, yeah, with Jim Carrey, it was a little bit more, a little too deep, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, especially for young viewers, right? So, yeah. So, no, everybody who's enjoying their movies, enjoy, because, you know, this this week, oh, you can even do it into the new year if you want. There's no rules to be broken there. Well, maybe absolutely. With COVID, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for the call, Evelyn. I agree. Oh, I mean, welcome. I watch I watch Christmas Vacation every single July. I do it. I always make sure I have it when we go camping so we can watch that one, too. This text comes in. Have you seen Krampus? It's excellent. Have not. We did just talk about that as one of our preferred ones, too. In addition, my favorite Christmas movie is Ebenezer with Jack Palance. My favorite Christmas movie is Elf, says Clint. Santa's coming. I know him. I love Elf. I can watch that one again and again. It never gets tiresome to me, especially the part where they go to the mailroom and get drunk. No, nothing says oh, yeah. Christmas than the dancing in the mail. It's, well, there it is, the right? Yeah. They're doing like the, I forgive me, culturally, I don't know the name of it, but the Russian style dancing. Um, yep. And then with Womp, there it is. I mean, that to me is dynamite. Uh, Kat from Toronto, Kat the Dog Walker says, uh, Hi Shane, the best Christmas movie is Miracle on 34th Street, original black and white version. Uh, thanks for that. Let's go to Winnipeg, 877-399-9898 and Robert. Uh, how are you doing tonight? Good, thanks. What's the best Christmas movie of all time? I have three of them. Okay. <laughs> Die Hard? Yeah. Gremlins? Gremlins, okay. That's a good one there. And also, National Lampoon, especially the part when he cuts in the turkey and the thing turkey just explodes because it's so dry. <laughs> so dry. <laughs> and when he turns the lights on, the, the nuclear reactor has to kick in the overpower because of the lights. Love it. Love it. Thanks, Robert, for the phone yep. call. Three great suggestions there. I'm taking the best one as Christmas vacation because Robert got the most excited about about those ones too. 
Um, it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. What's the line there, Matt, with the turkey? I, I told you we'd put it in too early. <laughs> Save the neck for me, Clark. It's beautiful. Um, <laughs> Matt has that whole movie like just stored in his brain. Incredible. Um, it's a wonderful life, black and white, period. Doc from The Rock. Have a great evening and awesome Christmas. Stay safe. Thanks, Doc. Appreciate that one. 877-399-9898. Base. Best Christmas movie of all time. The Old Christmas Carol with Alistair Sim or It's a Wonderful Life, Genevieve. You know what somebody that nobody said? And it's not a Christmas movie, but it's always on at Christmas time. So it comes to me as a Christmas movie. Um, and we watch it every year. And when it, they put commercials in it, it takes like six hours. And it's the sound of music. Oh, Ah, I, yeah. the hills I guess, alive. you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a very, you know, family orientated movie and mm -hmm. some of the messages in it. So I guess, you know, with Christmas and the festive season, those two kind of go hand in hand, but I've never thought of it as a, a Christmas movie, but it is a decent movie to watch at Christmas time. Yeah. Yeah. The whole family goes on TV. Everybody watches it. A couple of people doze off, have a little nap. <laughs> on the couch and stuff, right? It's perfect for that. It's perfect for your afternoon nap too. Angel, a Christmas story. I love the bunny PJs. Also love the bunny PJs. Oh, yeah, mm. he gets so upset. He just he just looks so ridiculous and he knows it. It's the Shift Podcast. In case you missed it on the radio, here's Ryan. Sneakers. Donald. <laughs> what? Still my favorite. It's still my favorite one. Yeah, ding. Yeah. All right. Let's ding right into it. Let's, uh, let's see what made me happy, not sad, on Twitter today. Tweet of the day. This one could honestly be my tweet of the week. It's not the funniest thing I've ever shared with you, but it's the thing that brought me the most joy. It is our Friday. It is Friday for everybody today. And I'm always looking for things to watch and enjoy while I have some time. And uh, I will have something to watch other than The Mandalorian this weekend. Look, I may not own a car, but that doesn't mean I don't love cars. I love cars. And more importantly, I love car shows including Top Gear. I watched Top Gear religiously from since I was 12, uh, all throughout high school, elementary, and obviously now Top Gear is not amazing without the trio of Jeremy Clarkson, uh, Richard Hammond, and James May. However, they're on the Grand Tour now on Amazon Prime, and they're no longer doing the traditional show format. They're now doing the big specials where they travel to some crazy place in the world, and they're given something absolutely ridiculous to do. And today they not only announced it, well, they announced it a while ago, but they released a new special early today. I rather think they're hoping we're going to make knob gags because they are knobs. Well, mine's, mine's more of a helmet. We're not doing helmet gags either, or balls. We're way past that kind of thing now. <laughs> the three of us have made a new Grand Tour special. It's called A Massive Hunt. Epic didn't work. It just didn't work. Oh, a massive epic. See? Exactly. Didn't work. And it has been a long time, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. I'm tired of being asked. 
I'm asked every 25 seconds, when is the new special out? Yeah, regardless of what you're talking about and whether you're on social media, in the pub, at a petrol station, in a sweet shop, when is the Grand Tour special? Yes, anyway, the point is, we've had this constantly now for a year. We're very, very bored with it. So we've decided that it can go out early. <laughs> it is here. That's funny. So, aren't, aren't they so We're British? Very it. bored with it. Wow. Yes, very bored, ready to go. If you're wondering the knob joke, like... One of them had Richard had like a small little button and then James had a weird bowl thing. And then Jeremy had a very weird other thing. All items they gathered when they were in Madagascar for this special. There's actually not a lot of detail of it. You'll have to just watch it. But what it looks like it is, is a crazy trek they have to make in cars that look like they're from Mad Max. I think Richard's car has treads for tires, like tank tracks instead of actual wheels. So it looks cool. It's it is called the Massive Hunt. Their last special was called Seamen, and they uh, took boats throughout Vietnam. It was very good. So this one I'm excited because they're back in cars. Um, but there was actually some pretty funny interactions on Twitter between the Grand Tours Twitter account and users. So one person uh, tweeted out today at the Grand Tour. Yes, but Amazon algorithm is doing a terrible job by not having it on the front page. Every season of the Grand Tour and every show from Hammond and May are on the watch list, and I still had to search for it. And the Grand Tour responded, so it was a massive hunt. <laughs> ah, nice. So British. So I'm very excited to be watching that. Uh, it, it, I'm sure it's going to be super entertaining. Even if you don't love cars, these guys are so funny. They're so quick-witted. And uh, they always give you really interesting information about the places they are. Their special in Mongolia is fascinating. I learned so much about Mongolia in their special when they drove across it. So check that out. Some... Oh, Shane is giving me a finger... Oh no! Hey, oh no! That that no! Whoa! It's not. He gave me the. He gave me the point. Can I? Am I good to go? Or you yeah, you had to go. I was going to contribute just to the fact that. Sorry, I didn't really mean to interrupt. I was just sort of getting your attention. Um, <laughs> that um, it's interesting how it's not about cars, and maybe it was never about cars. It's about it the was, chemistry but between not anymore. Yeah, that people. It's the chemistry yeah. between people that love the same things, and it's yeah. really cool to see that because when all that stuff like the politics and stuff went on between you know, the, you know, the networks and all the stuff that's, um, it's amazing to see how coming back together goes to prove that maybe it wasn't, it was, it was a show that included cars, but I'm not quite sure it was really just about car. It was cool. Anyway, I think yeah. it's amazing. I think it's humanity at its best. The most iconic moments of Top Gear are when they just decided to do ridiculous things like launch a mini Cooper, but via rocket attempted to get it into space or when they turned a van into a hovercraft and drove it down a river. The, their chemistry and their ideas are what make that show so great. And uh, I'm glad that they're still doing it, even if it is on a more reduced uh, schedule. Uh, now, some sad news today. It made me sad. And you heard it earlier as uh, John Copsey was reading on the news. But the man behind an iconic Star Wars character has passed away. You might not be able to recognize Jeremy Bullock by sight. That's because he played Boba Fett in two of the original Star Wars movies. Fett, the Mandalorian bounty hunter, never took off his helmet, and Bullock didn't provide the character's voice, but he did provide his physicality. And though it was a relatively minor part, Bullock told us it was one that stuck with fans. People will want to talk to you for, I don't know, half an hour. You go to a convention and say, Mr. Bullock, I love the part. 
I just think it's so fantastic. Thank you so much for bringing that to us, my kids. Jeremy Bullock had over 100 acting credits, mostly for British TV shows. We're told he died of health complications at the age of 75. Jason Nathanson, ABC News, Hollywood. So that makes me sad. I mean, we're kind of at that point now. Star Wars is pretty old, and uh, some of the actors, they've gotten to that age. We had David Prowse a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to pay tribute to Bullock because... Yes, he did not have a word in his Star Wars career. However, Boba Fett is iconic as he is for those moments when they're in Jabba's palace and he's just standing there, stoic, you know, giving the look where he like flicks the chin of the of the alien that's hitting on him and the tilt of the helmet. He understood how powerful his armor was. And that's the reason why currently sitting in front of me right now is a giant lego starship uh, that was boba fett starship it's all because of him so i wanted to pay tribute to him with that and that's great and you know just the fact that this character just sort of radiated kind of a badass sort of charisma you know like a mm-hmm. real just badass vibe that you know darth vader the dark lord himself had to point to him and say no disintegrations as you wish <laughs> it was so great and it's just it, those memories are so important. And I actually want to share a Star Wars memory with me because with you guys today because it was on my Facebook memories uh, yesterday now. Yesterday, December 17th, 2017, was the day that Star Wars The Force Awakens was released. The first Star Wars movie in years. And I did something pretty crazy on December 17th. I'm a big Star Wars fan. I got up at uh, 2.30 in the morning and traveled to Chinook, center the which has a very large movie theater in it and cineplex did a 17 hour star wars marathon that started at four o'clock in the morning with the prequels and every single star wars movie all the way up to the force awakens at midnight it is still to this day my favorite experience in a movie theater ever and the most amazing thing about it was even though we watched you know the cringy moments in the prequels at the start of every single Star Wars movies, even the bad ones, people got up on their feet and cheered because they were so happy to be watching Star Wars in a movie theater. It was an unbelievable experience. And that's the thing. People try to tell me, why do you like the prequels? Why do you like these bad Star Wars movies? And I just say, shut up. It's Star Wars. Leave me alone and let me love it because it's perfect and it's mine. (laughs) It's true. You know, you bring up a good point. There's an awful lot of people that have never seen Star Wars in a theater. Is there something old. else? Not their old. The movies are old. The shows are old. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that. I, I saw one of them. I remember seeing one or two of them in the theater. But yeah, like there's a lot of people who haven't. That's cool. That's cool, man. Yeah, no, and I mean, I was very excited when the, um, you know, the the Star Wars Empire Jedi had sort of come in, like into a theatrical release. The sort of the new versions with all the additional like kind of crap that people debate about that should, should whether it should or should not be in there yeah that's a whole other whole other box of frogs but like you know going into the theater and seeing these movies with the huge like dolby surround sound just man i'm just holding back a lot of swear words for how i feel about that <laughs> Ew, the, all the swear words that, that it was it was incredible. And the only way I got through that whole experience was I took a nap during the Ewok part on Return of the Jedi. That's it. That's my least favorite <laughs> sequence in Star Wars are the Ewoks. I can't I can't jump. do it with them. I can't. I Aww. just, I, there's something about them. So I, my friend was there. I just said to them, 
wake me up when it's over. And they did. And then Force Awakens happened. And I had been awake for far too long, but it was the best. Seriously, people cried when the Millennium Falcon showed up in that theater. It was screaming. People, it was amazing. So if you ever have the chance to go see an old Star Wars movie in a theater, do not hesitate. Go do it immediately. And uh, I just want to respond Hallie in Calgary. Ryan, I picked up my daughter really late from that Star Wars movie thing. Your other mom. Yep. Yeah, you're Star Wars mom. I'll take it 100%. And also Jojo offering to give me a ride in a brand new Corvette C8. Yes. yes Anytime. Please. please. Thank you very much. Uh, we can take a uh, recorder with you, please, so we can hear your reaction. Yes. Yeah, and the engine. If, hopefully it's louder than my screaming because I will be very, very pleased. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.